Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I have a deep appreciation for family. I'm not talking about biological family. I'm talking about this family. Deep appreciation for spiritual family. And what we have here in microcosm, in the local house, we have even more in the macrocosm, in the broader global house. The love between the brothers. Talking about people like myself who lead churches. We were about between 100 and 150 of us there. A lot of the guys are only arriving today, so we'll see the full complement of all uh, the household of faith that Apostle Tamonaido leads. It's important for you to understand this because we are in a locality called Durban. But what we do here locally is not divorced from the mandates of God upon the household corporately. You've got to understand this. There were 12 tribes in Israel. Take one, for example, Judah. Each, each tribe was comprised or broken down into clans. Each clan was comprised of families. Each family was comprised or divided into households. The furthest extremity from the tribal grace. So you get the broad tribe, and furthest from the tribe is the household, but part of the tribe. The household is never divorced from the predominant character and function the tribe is called to. Okay? So where do all the kings come from? Most of them came from Judah. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of? Of Judah. So there's kingship and there's rulership in this tribe. Okay? So a family or a household cannot do anything divorced from the predominant characteristic that the tribe is called to. Saying this to you, that's why it's important for you to get to know our patriarchal father. Get to know Pastor Thamo. Be exposed to his, his teachings. I made a decision while I was there. I bought some copies of the series. They just put out a fresh bunch of fresh series that Pastor Thomas just completed. I bought a copy each for myself. There's a series there on the Holy Spirit. He's just completed seven or 11 sessions on the Holy Spirit. Right? I've tracked them as he did them weekly. It's brilliant. Now I've got a CD to play in my car. What do I do? Bathe my mind in the teachings of my father over and over and over and over again because what I do locally must never ever divorce from what the tribe is called to do. Yeah. Amen. So it's very important these things to understand. Amen. So um, I'll talk more to that later. Amen. But it's wonderful to have everyone. Amen. You in family, the Bible says in Psalm 60 that he sets the solitary in, in families. But you know, we only stop and we don't read the next part of the verse. It says he, set this, he sets the lonely or the solitary in families. Then it says, only the rebellious dwell in a dry land. It's like, if you don't, if you don't come into family, scripturally, you are rebellious. And you're going to come to dryness no matter how you work it out. No matter how you, you do the mathematicians or the, 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 the calculations, uh, uh, your reckoning will always end up in, in, in a desert wasteland. You've been impoverished. There's, there's stature and there's substance when you are in, in family. 
So I want to welcome all to the family. It's a good place to be. Amen. He sets the lonely in families. Your greatest strength is going to be in the corporality of the family of God. I cannot tell you. I landed there Wednesday afternoon. I was blessed to be there. But this is true. And the Lord knows I'm not lying. I saw my brothers in Christ. I cannot tell you the joy I felt of seeing some people. It's just like we haven't seen them in a long time. I've seen some of them about six or eight months ago. But the sheer joy of my brother. I cannot define myself outside of you if we are truly family. Amen. I want you to have the same one to another. Don't build isolatedly and just stay within your clique and be sectarian in your thinking. The more you extend yourself, the more you make sacrifices to get to know each other. I guarantee you. I kept, I've said this all of last year almost. For the past few years I've been saying this. The more you make the sacrifices to get to know another, you invite into your life the grace that's, that the other has to enrich you with. But the more you close off yourself and you limit your, you limit your range of associations to a few, your grace allotment is only defined by those few. But the moment you venture out and you, 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 you start to interact with more, what grace you are inviting into your life. Amen. So I want to encourage you. There's such a, a wonderful grace compliment in this room. You just need to see it and stretch out like Paul and Barnabas. Three, Peter, James, and John, stretch out the right hand of fellowship to them. Amen. I want to encourage you, brethren. You'll be all the more richer. All the more richer. Amen. I want to continue, and I we were in 45 minutes or so. On the series on grace that we've started, recently we've been dealing with a pride because, and the indicators of pride. Because pride repels grace, but humility attracts grace. It says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists a proud man. So if you entertain pride at any level, God resists you. But if you are humble, it says God gives you grace. So humility is a grace receiver or a grace attractor. But if you have pride in your heart, God will actively resist you, bypass you. Okay? Up to now, we've dealt with several indicators of pride. I don't want to rehearse them. Uh, in about two weeks, the freshest batch of CDs from our meetings will be available on the desk. Please get it so you can catch up. But right now, we've, pros we've, we've prosecuted more than 20 indicators of pride, 20 things in your life, which they are present, will repel the grace of God. I want to continue to give you a few more. But last week, I dealt with prayerlessness as an indicator of pride. If you're not praying, you're proud. Because in not praying what you're saying, I'm my own man, don't need God. I can do it all by myself. I don't need to express my dependence, to consult with Him, to talk with Him. I can do my thing. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace. You must draw near. Draw near is, an, is, a, is a disposition of prayer. Draw near to the throne of grace. It says two things. To receive mercy, but to find grace. Who wants to find grace? Yeah? We search for grace. We're looking for keys to access more grace. And it says, I find grace by drawing near to a throne of grace. I receive mercy, but I find grace. And I like what it says. Grace to help. <laughs> grace to help in time of need. 
There's an aspect of grace called grace to help. In grace, there's help. When you say you need the grace of God, we're really saying we have the assistance of the Lord. We have the help of the Lord to get the job done in our lives. Amen. Today, I want to just deal with one or two other indicators of pride. The one is jealousy. Right? Jealousy. James 4 and verse, sorry, James 3 in verse 14 says the following. It says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. It's a very important verse this. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be proudful. The word arrogant here is full of pride. Right? Do not be proudful and so um, lie or do not own up to what is true. Okay, Do not own up um, to what is true. Now, to be jealous is to be covetous over what another has. You seek it for yourself. You cannot attain it. But because the other has it, you don't have it. And within your present means, you can't attain it. Or, given present protocols that govern righteous behavior, you cannot access it. You become jealous of what the other has. Because you think yourself deserving and the other less deserving than you. Therefore, you, it's, you, you reckon in your mind, by all accounts, I deserve that. Now watch, I cannot get it. Even if I want to, I don't have the means to acquire, or righteous protocols governing the kingdom prevent me from pursuing it. An example, do not covet another man's wife. So you see another man's wife that you are drawn to, using a practical example. Scripture says, you are about to cross a very dangerous line. Do not go there. Do not covet another man's wife. Righteous protocol in the kingdom prevents you from divorcing your wife to pursue the other. Because you cannot divorce your wife. It's against kingdom protocol. Right? So you look at what your brother has in terms of the other wife and you look at it as an object to pursue, you feel bound because your, your behavior is circumscribed by righteous protocols governing the, the kingdom. And you know your spiritual father will not condone it. Your leadership will not condone the act. But listen, here's the thing. In your heart, you entertain it as a covetous position, even though you don't actively explore it practically. You have manifested jealousy. You want what the other has, even though you cannot attain it. For some, they will want what the other has and do everything to attain it. Even breaching protocol or putting themselves in a, a worse off condition. Have you ever seen somebody so covetous of what the other has? They have to have it. Come. Hell or high water, they have to have it. And some people will, will even inconvenience and impoverish themselves economically simply to have it. You can't afford it, but because the other has it, you have to have it. You've just manifested pride. You deem yourself so important to have to have it because the other got it. And you're even willing to bypass common sense 
to attain it. And you find yourself in a worse position having got it. Yeah? That's, that's pride. Jealousy is an extremely dangerous thing to entertain. It's satanic to its core. Okay? Never be jealous. I want to encourage you, brethren. Never be jealous over what another has. Okay? Ne- jealousy and envy are bedfellows. Right? They, they're couplets. They are, they are a negative satanic duo. They work together. If left unchecked, it leads to bitterness, right? If left unchecked, it leads to bitterness. If, how is this jealousy described? Come on, talk to me. It's not just jealousy, it is bitter jealousy. Now, you can't have the thing because the other has it. You deem yourself worthy of it and them less deserving of it. You, resentment starts to well up in your heart because of what they have. Do you know it's even possible to be jealous of your leader? Hmm? It's even possible to be jealous of your spiritual father? Do you know that biblically? Do you know when Jesus went to a, 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 a particular house and the lady took spike and nod, or 11 months worth wages of perfume, expensive stuff, the lady the jar, and she anointed Jesus with it. Who's standing there and watching all of this? Judas. You know Judas? What does Judas love? He loves the paisa. He loves the kwacha. Right? He loves the money. Checking all of this. You know what his, his, his estimation of all of this is? What is his first response? He says, what waste? What waste? Now he's working the mats out. 11 months worth of wages for perfume. Whole, imagine working a whole salary for one small bottle of nard. This woman cracks it, she anoints, she anoints Jesus. Ju- Judas's esti- estimation from a natural carnal perspective is, what waste? And the Bible says specifically, he said this. You see, and Judas said, all this money we could have recouped and we could have fed the poor. That was his suggestion. But the next verse says, he said this not because he loved the poor, but because he kept the money back. And his eye was on how much could he pilfer? How much could he extract? Right? And Jesus said, this woman has anointed my body for burial. You, you working out, you, 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 you concluding it financial waste. And Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, mention will be made of this woman's act because she's prepared my body for, for my death. She's anointed me to go through to the cross. Right? I think Judas was extremely jealous of the attention that Jesus got. He wasn't center stage. His leader was. He, he couldn't bring himself to this understanding that it is in my best interest that my leader becomes anointed for his purpose. Because as he does his purpose, I, as his subordinate or his son, becomes blessed in the process. Right? Never become envious as to your leader's advance or elevation. Because that elevation is designed to benefit you. Right? It's designed to benefit you. Amen? It's in your best interest. So don't become resentful. Don't become bitter. Okay? So tell the neighbor next to you, no more jealousy. No more jealousy, you know? 
You know, it's so easy. You can easily say this. I'm not a jealous person until your brother gets blessed. Just wait. Closest friend to you is blessed. And noch al, he is blessed in an area that you seek advancement in. Hmm? And the brew next to you is flying. You're struggling here. And you seek to be blessed in the same area. God will test your heart. Right? I might as well mention this now. It's somewhere in my notes. But if you have bitter jealousy and what? What is bitter jealousy coupled with? It's not just ambition. It's ambition that is self-centered. It's a, you know, it's not wrong to have ambition. Because even the Bible says, he who desires the office of a bishop, which is an elder, desires a noble task. Paul said, covet. So covetousness per se is not, is not nailed. You must covet the right things. He said, covet earnestly the best gifts. Right? But when your, when your pursuit has only you as the primary benefit of the pursuit, it becomes self-centered. I always say to people, have ambition, but let the thing that you, go, let the thing that you pursue bless you so much it positions you to be a blessing to a whole lot of others. In that, you're not self-centered. You want the thing not primarily for you. You want the thing for how God can bless you with so you can be a blessing to, to others. Always keep yourself off-center. Decenter yourself. Tell someone, decenter yourself. Never think the world revolves around me. And the ambition is purely here. So, you know, this is, I'm training my mind to think like this now. So, even if I pray, God, give it the church a building. We need a building. I always check my heart, Lord, why do I want this? Is this selfish ambition? Am I wanting a building so that people can say, oh, see what God is doing in Gateman? No, I have to check my heart. God, I desire this for what the thing is going to mean as a blessing to so many others globally. It's not self-centered. Always keep your heart in check, okay? You see, these, these forms of pride can subtly like emerge in us. Right? And we wonder why we're not, grace is not attending us. Because we're ambitious for the wrong things. So whenever we can't attain a thing for which our brother attains, we become jealous of the brother. Especially because the brother is making ground, significant ground, in an area where we seem to be regressing. So we look at the brother, and instead of honoring, rejoicing with my brother's advance, we allow resentment, even hatred, you'll be surprised, even hatred and bitterness to start to, to develop within us. Well, by the way, I, I taught a great deal on bitterness last year. It's on the website, Healing of the Wounded Soul, remember? Just put Hebrews 12, just as a reminder, Hebrews 12, 15. If your representation is accurate and you get people react negatively to you for your accurate representation of God, either in nature or function, then do not take it personally. It's not you they're attacking. It's the God you represent. You're going to save yourself a lot of hurt. So the proviso is so long as your representation is accurate. So long as you are righteous right, and they, they act against you, just take yourself out of it. Let them deal with God. Right? The, the, the brilliant thing is that if you attempt to react to their negativity, 
you're going to have to fight and manage it all by yourself. But if you leave it to God to deal with, because it's really against Him, they are, are reacting, then God can fight His own battles. Amen? Amen. I want the congregation to save yourself a lot of hurt going forward. So save yourself being hurt and being disappointed. Okay? Being hurt and being disappointed. So Hebrews 12, verse 15 says, See to it, no one comes short of what? What's, it, what's our theme? The grace of God, right? Do you know you can come short of it? It's like you're right there. Grace is there. But you, you just like come, but you, you can't. You come short. You know the phrase come short means you're so close to access, but there's something that prevents you from fully engaging it. The thing that makes you come short of grace is a root of bitterness. You know, and it, it doesn't take long. King James says it suddenly springs up from nowhere. You thought you were the most unembittered person on the planet. You thought you were fine until a situation is presented to you and whoop, from nowhere. What do roots give rise to? Fruit. It's a root of bitterness. If you don't deal with it at its root stage, by the time the fruit stage comes, you're going to have lots to deal with. So I, I submit to you, church, we are cutting off things by the roots. Huh? Get your axe out in the spirit and say, you root, you will not grow to fruit. You must, you, must, you must cleanse yourself. Deal with yourself. right? But you can save yourself a whole lot of trouble. Protect your world. Protect your heart. So bitterness, for me, is an expression of pride. You know, sometimes God will allow people to hurt you just to show you how full of pride you are. Never mind, I'm not worried about the, um, the, the issue, whether they are justified or not. That's not the issue. It's about what is in you that rises up when you are hurt. What is in you that, that comes to the fore when these things happen to you? The thing with bitterness to remember is, brethren, I think it's the most, one of the most potent grace killers. Bitterness. Because you, it's like... Grace can be all around you. You can't access it because you stop short of it because you have become bitter in your heart. Okay? So, deal. And you know, the easiest way to, to, to deal with bitterness is to forgive. Amen. Amen? Last year we dealt with eight sessions on forgiveness. Just the one issue on forgiveness. The easiest way is to forgive. Okay? Person hurt you, you make a decision in your mind I forgive you. I don't hold nothing against you. I therefore conclude that unforgiveness is one of the greatest expressions of pride. If you are unforgiving, another indicator, if you are unforgiving, you've just manifested your pride. How can you not forgive the other? When God forgave you of so much. You know, when you say, I don't forgive you, you're telling the person, I think you are unworthy of my favor. You are unworthy of my kindness of my goodwill toward you. You are saying to the person, you deserve my treatment, you're deserving of being condemned, and I, in this position, am justified to hold this mindset toward you. That's what you are saying. When you say to a person, I choose not to fall, I choose not to forgive you. It's self-centered, it's selfish, it's prideful, because you deem the other unworthy of your forgiveness, and you deem yourself justified in the position that you hold. That is a, an indication of 
pride. Think about it when God forgave you. He forgave you even when you did not repent. For when we were, what is it, Romans? For when we were yet in trespass and sins, He died for us. When did He die for us? Did He die for us having a guarantee that we're going to re- ask for the forgiveness? No, He didn't wait. Some people are saying to me, I'll never forgive Him. I'm waiting for Him to own up. He must come, come to me and, and, and confess. No, no, no. Listen carefully. That is only true for the administration of forgiveness. For the receipt of forgiveness, the person must own up. But from your position, don't, irrespective of their inability to repent, don't you adopt an unforgiving posture. Their their inability to own up to what they've done does not justify and endorse your position of unforgiveness. In fact, you must make them aware of your offer of forgiveness. That's what he did to us. Why were we able to come to him and say, I repent? Why? We knew his position. Some of you need to inform the other of your position. Hmm? And forgive. Amen? Just forgive. Forgiveness is the most powerful demonstration of Godness. You are most like God when you are forgiving like God. You have every reason to condemn. But you say, no, your sins, which are many, are forgiven. It's one of the most powerful things to say to somebody. I forgive you. Say it with me. I forgive you. At some stage in your whole life, those words must issue forth from your mouth. I forgive you. You are forgiven. Don't hold the past against you. You are forgiven. Okay? You know what, what you're preventing? I want this church to be graceful, pregnant, saturated with the grace of God. It must be here in such profound measure. You know what's going to cause grace leakage? This house is bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition. If you have an ounce, ounce of bitterness, you're going to forfeit huge potentials of grace download. Huge potentials of, of grace downloads. Okay? And, you know, don't be bitter towards me as a leader. Don't be bitter towards your spouse, husband and wife. No bitterness. Don't even entertain bitterness towards your employee where you work. He might be wickedness personified in a boss. Right? He might be the wicked boss They'll get the prize every year for wickedness in a boss. And you working under those. Don't harbor resentment. You work faithfully not unto him. Your work is unto the, unto the Lord. You keep your heart clean. And the small foxes, you'll, you'll, you'll find brethren. I'm finding like, I'm finding such an open heaven over my life, I can't explain it. It's like things are happening with tremendous ease. It's like I feel so confident before my father when I pray to him. I know there's nothing in my heart that's going to prevent my prayer from being heard. No, no, none of these things. No pride. I want to encourage you, maintain humility by mastering forgiveness as quickly as possible. Learn to deal with your jealousy of your brother, over your brother. You know, 
we're not called to competition. Do you know competition is another indication of pride? If you're competitively minded, in other words, you seek to outdo the other in the area where you are graced similarly with the other. What you want to outdo him to show yourself better. I'm the better preacher. I'm the better orator. I'm the better musician. I'm the better runner. I'm the better... I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, in sports, you do compete. There's a competition and you want to be there. The best. That's fine, okay? But even in that, maintain your humility. But in areas of life, never ever seek to compete with another. And you, you disesteem their value or deride them, take away from the honor that should be duly accorded to them. And you have this thing in your heart of a competitive spirit. I want to read a text in this regards. First John chapter 3 from verse 11. It's, it's concerning Cain and, and Abel. First John chapter 3. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Amen. Come on, repeat that with me. We should love one another. So notice this, this, this text is prefaced by a command to love one another. Next verse. Not as Cain. So it says love one another, love one another, but not like Cain, who was the evil one and slew who? He slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Why? Why did Cain kill Abel? John is talking in the New Testament about Genesis, right? He says, why did this happen? The simple reason was his deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were, were righteous, right? Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. That's a dangerous statement right there. If you have not mastered love, you are not saved. If you don't love your brother, I can prove to you biblically, the life of God does not reside in you. Period. If you still say to a brother, claiming to a brother, I hate you. I am bitter towards you. I, I doubt whether you are God's son. This is very clear to me. How do you know that you have left death and you're into life? How? Come on, talk to me. When you love one Another, love becomes a litmus test of spirituality, the acid test. Right? I really want to encourage you. I said this to you a few weeks ago. He who masters love, masters divinity, masters godness, masters deity. Right? Next verse quickly. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has what? I mean, how much more clearer can this text be? Did Cain murder Abel? Yes or no? What is the New Testament equivalent of murder now? That was Old Testament. It says, if you do not love, if you hate your brother, what are you? So how do I define murder today? If I hate my brother. But more than that, the frightening thing is that you have no eternal life in you. I don't care how well you sing. How faithful you are in your attendance at church. I'm going to say this to you all. If you, if you hate anybody, you're not saved. I don't care how much you can argue. If, if you hate anybody, the principle of God life does not reside in you. It's not there. If you, if, if you can hate someone and still claim to be God's son, you are at the height of deception. 
you have deceived yourself. Yeah? Amen? So, no, this is scary stuff, eh? Hey? Do you know hate is not tolerable in the kingdom? You know why it's not tolerable? It's not, it's not accommodative? Because it's alien to the nature of God. It's alien. And do you know what? Based on the context, what can lead to this? Your brother's deeds were accepted. Your deeds were not. Your brother, Abel, his offering was received by God. Open heaven over his life. God blessed him. Your deeds were not. God deals favorably, but the one rejects you. And you start to hate your brother because of his righteousness. This is another level of hate. You're not hating the brother because he did bad to you. This is different. You're hating the brother simply because of the mileage he's gaining in the things of the Spirit. Okay, it's fine to, to deal with hate of someone that hurt you. Even there you're not permitted to hate. But now this hate is, I mean, did Abel come in and, and say bad things about Cain or did he do him in? No. The only reason why he hated the brother, the brother's deeds were accepted. His wasn't. Right? And the spirit of bitterness. You see why bitterness and jealousy is so dangerous, brethren. Left unchecked, it degenerates into hate. Left unchecked. Hatred is a form of pride. The Bible says in the book of Romans, no murderer will enter or inherit the kingdom. No murderer will inherit the kingdom. Okay? So no murderers are allowed here. Amen? No murderers are allowed here. Another form of pride is the constant reversion to the past. You constantly draw the past into your present issues. I'm going to tell you that's pride at heights, at the highest level. Here's the text, Isaiah 43 and verse 18 and 19. It says, Do not call to mind what? The former things, or ponder the things of the past. Now, the word ponder there, we, we looked at it when we did the series on meditation, remember? And we dealt with this text in that series. I said to you, there are certain things you're not allowed to meditate upon. Do not meditate or ponder and do not mull and, and revolve over and over and over in your mind things of the, the past. Do you know when God forgives, He forgets? You must practice this. You know, I'm practicing this so much now that sometimes some will remind me of, oh, remember what that brother said? I'm scratching my head. What? Where? When? And I, I'm even training my mind now. I say, oh, please don't even remind me. Because you did a reminder, you want to take me back and hold me into that past. If I've forgiven the brother, and I've literally, I've trained my mind. Some amnesia is very good for you. Right? Some amnesia very, very good for you. Certain things you don't want to remember. Is God God? Yes or no? Tom, talk to me. Can God do anything? Is God sovereign? How can a sovereign God not, for, not remember a thing? How can He, if He's all-powerful? If he said, I will, I will forgive your sin, I will bury it in the sea of forgetfulness, as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sin from you, and I will remember it no more. You see, God is bound by his word. His power is vested in his word. Although God is God, even if he, were, even if he tried to, he will not be able to, because he is bound by what he said. 
If God said, I wipe it off, I press the delete button, I've erased it from my personal computer in the heavens. It's no, there's nowhere, anywhere on record, anywhere in, let me use Kyle, anywhere in Kyle's file that Kyle ever lied. If he, if he lied and he repented of it. Let's say, God says, okay, forgive you, bro, my son, you're forgiven. I don't remember it. Do you know if you come next week and you say, God, I'm sorry, you know, about that. I know I've repented, you've forgiven me, but that lie still haunts me. God say, what on earth are you talking about? I have, is this like news? Is news to me because I, God, have deleted it from my, you know, the greatest thing about us when we sin, we find it very difficult to forgive and to forget ourselves. From God's perspective, the thing is done. I'm training my mind. The Lord said this to me whenever recently I reminded him of a past failure of mine. And I felt like the, the rebuke of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, oh, he of little faith. Did you repent? Yes. Did I forgive? Yes. Is it gone? Yes. So why are you camping there? When I've dealt with the issue before, why are you still there? Right? You know, we don't have faith to believe God when he said, I forgive and I forget. Amen. You know, only psychologists tell us it's possible to forgive, but never forget. That is humanistic. That's the secular age in which we live. That is not biblical. I'm telling you all things are possible. Let me just say this. You might not be able to completely forget the incident mentally. You can still recall the historicity of it. It happened on the 2nd of September uh, 1996, when this, when this person hurt me. It's fine to do that. What I'm saying when don't, don't remember, you can recall the historical incident, but the associated hurtful emotion and pain is divorced from it. Then I conclude, you have forgotten. And you know the easiest way to test it is do you bring it up in your speech? I conclude, don't even, uh, don't even, Reference it. You know, husbands and wives are good at this. Right? But remember, <laughs> no, you must say immediately, but God has forgotten. Why are you remembering? Listen, I'm just joking with you. I'm trying to make light of a serious issue here. Right? Listen carefully. It's, it's very good to enter into this truth. When God forgives, He clears the slate. Amen? You know, the worst thing you can, you can submit yourself to is the guilt of a past failure that God has already dealt with. Don't stay. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. And I say the seed is or sensing something in the spirit. If you have failed God in a, in a, in a matter, no matter how, how serious, whether it's light or serious, not the issue, but you've truly repented from the Lord, God has not hold that against you anymore. You are free. Tell someone next to you, you are free. You know, then... I conclude, to remember the incident is an expression of pride. How can you hold it to be true when God has wiped it off? You are laying great store by who you are and saying, oh, no, I, I want to hold on to this. You know what, what, what I did recently? I went through a few bad episodes in my life. What I try to do, if it's very serious... And I know there could be some future repercussions of the thing. I'll type a Word document out. I've got a personal folder on my 
computer. I'll save the way things panned out. I'll save it. I'll put a protective password so nobody, especially if it's sensitive information, so no one can access it. And the Lord recently told me, even delete those. Why are you still having a fight on the thing? Delete it and be free from it. Yeah? Delete it and be free. Tell someone, delete it and be free from it. Come on. Delete it and be free from it. Tell us another one. Be delete it and be free from it. Come on, tell someone behind you. Delete it and be free from it. You will see the grace of God. I don't want to hold anything against anybody. What right do you have of holding something against somebody? And let's say that person repented. God forgave them. you keeping the files. Heavenly files deleted. But you know, you know, you know no, no computer has got the capacity than this hard drive. This hard drive up here, hey, don't play. It retrieves stuff. You can, it brings, right? So even in your mind, train your mind. Say, God, this thing hurt me big time. I want to truly forgive. I don't want to come short of your grace. I'm manifesting an, indi an indicator of pride by holding on to the thing. I want to be released from it. Help me to forget. Help me to forget. I might, I might reference the incident, but God, help me just to, to not hold the person to what they've done. I release the offender. You know, the meaning of forgive is to let go. Leo means to set free. And here's the thing. I say this to you in the week. It's often been said, you forgive for your own sake. You see this on Facebook a lot. You forgive for your own sake. There's only, that's partly true. It's not the whole truth. Because if you don't forgive, you're going to be stuck in unforgiveness. God will not forgive you if you don't forgive the other, right? Grace will bypass you. You're going to have stress. You're going to have mental conditions. You're going to have certain illnesses. I, I've discovered certain illnesses are linked to unforgiveness. So, so now there's a whole body of truth where people are saying, forgive for your own sake. It's true, but it's not reflective of divine forgiveness. Because divine forgiveness, when God forgives you, does He forgive you for His sake? He forgives you for your sake. A forgiveness that has self as its primary focus is not, true, not a true reflection of divine forgiveness. You see, I forgive the other not with only me in mind. If your forgiveness is only with you in mind, lest I suffer these effects, you, it's still a forgiveness tainted by pride because you're worried about yourself. Humility is focused on the state of the other. How about forgiving the other because you are truly concerned about their state? I forgive you because I'm really concerned about your spiritual well-being. You are forgiven. In that process, certain benefits will come to you. But don't let your primary thought be, I'm going to forgive so that I am fine. So there's nothing hindering me. That kind of forgiveness is still selfish, still self-centered. You forgive out of a genuine concern for the state of the one that you are forgiving. Yeah? So forgive. You know, the, 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 the worst thing, back to this text, Isaiah 43, the worst thing holding on to the past is this. Watch. Do not call to mind the former things, or ponder the things of the past. What does the next verse say? Behold, I will do a new thing or something new. 
now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Two thoughts side by side. Do not call to mind the former things. Let me paraphrase. God is saying, if you're focused on the past, the new thing I'm about to do will escape you. If you're focused on the past, you will not be even able to perceive the new thing. He says, will you be aware of it? Behold, I'm about to do something new in your life. But are you, you see, you cannot enter into something you cannot see. It's perception first before experience. So I must know it, I must see it. If I can see it, I can hold it and I can experience it. And I want to declare this prophetically to the house. Um, I want to stop with this point. There's much else. We could talk the whole day about these issues. But I don't want to lay too much on you. I think you've had enough to mull over and to chew over for one sermon. Listen carefully. Yes, the what did Paul say in Philippians? He says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press. I press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling which are in Christ. There's no pressing forward until there's a forgetting of what lies behind. If you don't forget what lies behind, your capacity to push forward is impeded. How many people want to go forward here? Yeah? Come on, you want to go forward? Let me ask you this. Have you been hurt in your life? Yes. Have people disappointed you? Yes. People near and far? Yes. Have you been offended? Yes. I'm sure we all have. My two hands are up <laughs> for all of these. You know, there's multiple choices. You can say all of the above and more. <laughs> it's not just that. There's multiple other things. All of the above and more. Both hands are up. Right? You can be completely innocent. The other did it to you. Grace can not visit you. You innocent, didn't do nothing. But through an inaccurate response to the offender, you can come short of grace. I've determined, Lord, I don't want any of these things in my life. I want to perceive, and let me just say this to the house, prophetically, I know God's going to do something new among us. I speak to you personally, individually, God's about to do something new in your family. But if you are constantly, constantly reverted to the past to engage present issues, you will not even see the new thing that God is about to do for you. There's a frame I've coined. I heard it somewhere, but I've adapted it to suit me. If you want to live life in the fast lane, you can't live life in the past lane. So you're living life in the past lane, constant reversion to what went on before. But you want to go fast now. You want to live life in the fast lane. You want to make progress. But you are wanting to go fast, but you're driving in the past lane. You know, rearview mirrors psychologically can be bad. <laughs> okay. Looking at, oh, what happened? But you, you must set your gaze ahead and forget what lies behind. I guarantee you, great grace. Next week, it's going to be a very important teaching. I've set you up <laughs> for something greater next week. All this is our precursors, foundations to something which I'm going to talk about next week. I'll prove to you based upon all that we've said now. Now, if in reference to another person, never mind your own issues, in reference to another person, if you hold their past against them, a great 
manifestation of pride in your heart. Okay? You find you nothing wrong. I'm not talking about your own issues now. I'm talking about your attitude towards another. And I'm going to talk about the capacity of love to cover sin. I'm called to cover Mark's sin. If I'm aware of it. I'm aware of Mark's failing. If I'm aware of a character deficiency. And publicly. If I don't cover that and I'm aware of it. I've manifested my pride. And God's grace escapes me. Hmm? Very serious stuff. We all know something about somebody. We all have something on somebody. Some of you have have some serious info, high intel that can ruin the life of another if you just expose it. The Lord is calling you to cover the deficiency of a brother in the hope of redemption. And biblically, I'll show you how it's done. Yeah? If we're going to be family, are we all perfect here? Huh? We're not perfect. Huh? But mercy, grace, and peace must predominate this house. Love, I'll show you, although we talk about love, but the Bible says love does cover a multitude, not just one or two. There's like a multitude of deficiencies. Love can cover that. And he who masters love, masters humility. Okay? And, and finds great favor from the Lord. Amen. Stand with me. Lift your hands to the Lord. Today has been very intense in terms of emotions and things. I'm fully aware of that. All I want to encourage you is my heart is that none of us would, would bypass, grace would bypass us. mustn't happen to any of us here. When grace comes, grace must settle over every one of us. That's my heart for you as a family, as a person individually, that you be full of grace. But I want to encourage you that don't, don't entertain jealousy. No more jealousy must, must pervade in you. Don't be jealous of what the other has either natural things or spiritual things, whichever. No more jealousy. No more bitterness. No more selfish ambition. No more judgmental, condemnating, uh, uh, condemnatory spirits. No more unforgiveness. No more unforgiveness. All of these things. No more competition with your brother. No more jealousy over what he has. You're not comp. You're not comp put in competition with anyone, but we are complementary together. We all have what the other has. Father, we pray great grace and peace. If, if someone has hurt you, just forgive them now. Don't even wait for the service to, to finish. At least in your heart say, I've forgiven that person. I've released that person. I don't see them after the wrong they did in the past. That for me is a done deal. It's in my past. It's over. It's gone. Today, I forgive and I forget. I might reference it, but no more hurt, no more associated pain. I forgive as the Lord will forgive. So lift your hands. If that is you, lift, lift your hands, everyone. I'm going to pray, which should be all of us. I'm going to pray for great grace, impartation to us all. I pray great grace and peace will be your portion. I pray you would live a bitter-free life, a jealous-free life, a life free from selfish ambition. Uh, a life, no root of bitterness will be established within you. We cut the root of bitterness off now in the name of the Lord. Father, we ask, our oh God, anyone that has offended us, we forgive now in the name of the Lord. Help us to celebrate the successes in each other. 
when when others make progress instead of negatively reacting to that help us to to from a heart of sincerity truly be happy for our brother truly be happy for our sister and when you see that you will bless us too and now father we deliberately leave the past forgetting the things that are behind forgetting every hurt every disappointment every sin every failure every uh, a human deficiency character deficiency that's been manifested we forget it now in the name of the lord you know i sense the lord pressing the raise button as i'm praying god is saying yes i endorse you my son pray pray for them i endorse this god is saying i clear the slate you have a clean slate my son my daughter you have a clean slate in my eyes i don't hold that against you so you don't hold it against you when i have already forgiven you you stand in my righteousness you're not righteous of your own you are the my, the righteousness of christ in god the scripture says we stand free before him we stand accepted the scripture says we're not aliens and strangers but we are accepted in the beloved god does not i'm going to tell you brethren god does not reject you today he does not reject you he accepts you he draws you in i you know you're going to be amazed at the grace you're going to be amazed at the grace that comes to you because you've mastered these things you will never be grace deficient you will never be short of grace grace of god will fill your life you are what you are by grace you will do mighty things because of the grace of god never discuss I want to make a, a regulation in the spirit over this house. Never discuss the weakness of another. Disparagingly, judgmentally, over your supper tables, over your socials. If anything, it comes up, rather pray for them that God would intervene. But never deride. We are called to cover our brothers, to cover our sisters. Hallelujah. So Father, forgive us of these prideful indicators. Forgive us, Father. Now, my Father, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness. We are free. We are free in you. Forgive us where we have failed you in these respects. Take away the pride and endorse our sonship in you once more today, Father. In the name of the Lord. Amen.